One of the verses we've been looking at in recent weeks as we've talked about living the life is found in 1 John chapter 5. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. He's not talking about physical life in that text. He's talking about spiritual life. He's talking about a relationship with the living God. And so as we think about living the life, last week we saw that the key to living the Christian life is found in John 15, where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He kind of gives us a word picture of what a relationship with him looks like. And uh, he says that if we abide in him, if we have a relationship with him, he produces fruit or his character in our lives. Today we want to take a little bit of a shift and, and look at something related to that. And I've entitled this message, Vital Signs. When you were born, they took your vital signs. Every time you go into the hospital or the doctor's office, they continue to take your vital signs. They check your blood pressure. They check your pulse. They check to see if you're breathing. Uh, those are called vital signs. They are signs that show that we are alive, that we have life. The Bible gives us a number of things that tell us that uh, we have spiritual life. That if we have this relationship with Jesus, there will be things that are true of us as we live our lives in this world. As Jesus referred to this as fruit. So today we're going to take a look at uh, a few of these things, and I'm sure that we can think of more if we take the time. But... We want to give time today to our baptismal service, so let's move through these, and we'll move rather quickly so that we can uh, have time to really enjoy observing these uh, children identifying with Jesus Christ through baptism. The first sign that we see in Scripture is a hunger for spiritual food. Right after they took your vital signs when you were born, they gave you food because you were what? Yelling your head off because you were hungry. You had a hunger. And uh, nothing would satisfy that hunger except nourishment. And it's interesting as we talk about our relationship with Jesus. I want to each, for each one of these characteristics today, or each one of these vital signs, I want us to see that first of all it was seen in Jesus' life. And then because of our union or our relationship with him, it will be seen in our lives as well. That makes sense to you? Good. Thank you for nodding, Chuck. I'm glad somebody's with me today. Good job. In Jesus' life, in John, or Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We find in Scripture that every day Jesus spent time alone with God the Father. He had a hunger for 
his relationship with the Father. Nobody had to give him a guilt trip about spending time alone with God. Nobody had to try to motivate him to take in spiritual food. And if the Son of God needed spiritual food in his life, it's obvious that I do too. And because it was seen in his life and I have a relationship with him, if his life flows through us, that same spiritual hunger will be seen in us. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, Peter wrote and said, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. If we have a relationship with Jesus, we will have that same hunger for spiritual food. Some of you are relatively new in your faith. You haven't been a Christian too long. And so as you look back, you can probably remember a time when you really didn't have any appetite for spiritual food. You really didn't have any hunger. You had hunger for other stuff and other things, but there was not that hunger for spiritual food, for knowing the Lord better, for learning from his word, for being instructed by him, finding out from him how he wanted you to live your life that day. But once you put your trust in Jesus Christ, something changed. And one of the evidences of that new life that you have in Jesus is spiritual hunger is now one of the vital signs that you see in your life. Why does a baby eat? Because they're hungry. And those of us who experience the new birth have a hunger for God's truth as well. The second characteristic or vital sign that we see in life is a love for people. Uh, Sometimes the Bible refers to that as compassion, that we as Christians would be compassionate people. This was seen in Jesus' life. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says, When he saw the crowds, he had what? Compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And I think that that phrase, they were harassed and helpless, is not supposed to be a political statement. It's not that they were harassed and helpless by the Roman government, but because they were spiritually harassed and hopeless and helpless because of the bonds of sin that they were under, and they lived their lives as slaves to sin. They were like sheep without a shepherd. And it wasn't that they didn't, that they were rebellious and didn't want to go the way the shepherd wanted them to go. They didn't know which way to go because they needed the shepherd in their lives, and that was the Lord Jesus. If his life is in us and flows through us, then his love and his compassion for people will be seen in us also. I find several passages in Scripture that remind us of that. First is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. 
the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians at Ephesus, and he said, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Be imitators of God. Does God love you? How do you know? One of the main reasons we know is because he sent his son. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. He sent his son because he loved us. I believe every day of my life that God demonstrates his love, his compassion for me in a multitude of ways. But after all these years, I keep going back to that primary thing. You know, there are days in which my emotions don't track the way they ought to. You ever have times and days when you're kind of having a pity party? You don't feel very loved. You can't trust our emotions too much. On those days, what do I do? I go back to John 3.16. God loved me so much that he gave his one and only son that if I believe in him, I will have eternal life and not perish. He's told me that he loves me. And he spoke in such strong, clear words 2,000 years ago at the cross that I can never forget that. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, first part of that verse says, We know we have passed from death to life because we what? We love our brothers. We know we love other people. That's one of the big indicators that we have spiritual life. We've been brought from death to life spiritually. And then also in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Where does love come from? From God. Now the word love, as it's used here, does not talking about a warm, fuzzy feeling. You and I can have warm, fuzzy feelings apart, I believe, from our relationship with God. Some of you have warm, fuzzy feelings for your cats, and that's emphasis on fuzzy. Uh, some of you have warm, fuzzy feelings for, for other people. It might be a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. But true love, as it's used here, is the idea of a love that is sacrificial, a love that is motivational, that motivates to give without any regard to getting in return. And this is a kind of love that God says, love each other this way. This kind of love comes from me, he says. Everyone who loves in this way has been born of God and knows God. This kind of love in our lives is a demonstration that we have experienced the new birth, that we've been given spiritual life because of our faith in Jesus Christ. God's response to our faith in him is that he gives us spiritual life 
And it says not only is born of God, but knows God. And again, we're back to that idea of relationship. Some people have the concept that being a Christian involves going to church. Once in a while, some people very regularly. But I don't want to burst your bubble, but being in church no more makes you a Christian than being in a garage makes you a car. Okay? We can do all kinds of religious things and go through all kinds of religious rituals, but real evidence that we have a relationship with God is that we not only love Him, but that we love each other. Whoever does not love, he says, does not know God, because God is love. Now I want to say something here, and I don't mean to bash the church, I don't mean to bash Christians when I say this, but I've been a Christian for a long time. I've been a pastor for a long time. And I've known some people in those years that are very religious. One of the things I've seen is they don't really love other people. When compassion is needed, it's missing. When compassion is needed, it's not demonstrated. Now, they might be judgmental, but not compassionate. They might be religious, but not compassionate. And we need to know and understand that there are other people other than Christians who also are not compassionate. They're irreligious and not compassionate. But there is no excuse for us as followers of Jesus Christ to lack compassion in our lives because that is a quality that he wants to produce in us. It is evidence that his life is in us and that his spiritual life flows through us as a result of our unity, our relationship with him. And as Robin already mentioned today, the real proof of our spiritual life is not how many Bible verses we can quote. It's not how many Christian songs we can sing. The real proof is whether we love people or not. Lord, help me to be more like you and have greater compassion for people. And it's not just other Christians. It's people outside of the family of God who are lost and harassed. And they live their lives like sheep without a shepherd. They don't know which way to turn. They don't know which way to go. And sometimes their behavior, the decisions they make, are the result of their lostness. May we be compassionate towards them as well. The third evidence in our lives, the third vital sign, is a passion for righteousness. The word righteous is an interesting word, and sometimes it's misunderstood by people, particularly people who might be outside of the family of God. But the word righteous in the Bible means to be upright and just. To be upright 
and just. In the New Testament, there are basically two kinds of righteousness that I want to talk to you about for a minute. The first is a righteousness that has been imputed or given to us because of Christ's death on the cross for our sin and our response in faith to his sacrifice for us. In the moment we believe, those of us who had a position of being guilty before God because of our sin now find ourselves having a position of being right before him. And he's seen us as being righteous in Jesus Christ. We have a right standing before him. We call that positional righteousness. The second kind of righteousness is righteous behavior. It is a fruit or a quality results from our relationship with Jesus Christ. If we've been declared righteous before God, we will live righteously. Our lives will change. God will change us from the inside out. And we will begin to have a passion for righteousness. It is not only right standing before God, it is right living before God. This was seen in Jesus' life. In John 8:29, he said, The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Man, I'd like to be able to say that. The word always is kind of a qualifier there, isn't it? I always do what pleases him. I have a passion for living righteously, for living an upright and just life before my Father. In 1 Peter 2.22 it says, He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. He lived righteously. And if I have a relationship with him that is a dynamic relationship, and his life flows through me, then it will be seen in me as well. This is mentioned several times in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. In other words, God laid our guilt for our sin on Christ when he died on the cross. Why? Just so that we might be forgiven of our sins? No, there's more to it than that. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God so that we might have a right standing before God and that we might live righteously before God. First Peter 2.24 says, He himself did what? Bore our sins in his body on the tree. Why? Just so that we might be forgiven? No. So that we might die to sins and live for righteousness so that we might have the power to change, my friends, to not continue to live the way we live, but that God would change us through the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. And the result would be righteousness. 
and that we would have a passion to live rightly before God and before people. In Philippians chapter 1, 9 through 11, Paul wrote to the Philippian believers and said, This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, so that you may be pure and blameless. You may be live righteously until Jesus returns. And you might be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes how? What are the words? Through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Righteousness is not the result of my own self-effort. It's okay to want to live righteously. In fact, we need to have motivation that way. It's not like saying we're just on autopilot. We're just robots out there where we just accept Jesus and one day God zaps us and we live righteously. There needs to be that desire, that passion within us to live righteously. And when we have that passion within our lives and we have that vital dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ, then we will live rightly. And we may not live perfectly, but our lives at least can be character, characterized by righteousness. And when people look at our lives, they say that he has a right relationship with God. And he or she treats people right. In the business dealings, in the way they treat their family members, in the way they treat their neighbors, they live right. May his righteousness be seen in us, and may we have a passion for that righteousness. And then the fourth vital sign is a motivation to obey. It was seen in Jesus' life. In John chapter 14, verse 31, But the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Here you have Jesus Christ, the second person of the Godhead, the Trinity, living his life on earth in a subordinate way to the will of God. He didn't ask a single day of his life, I wonder what I want to do today. What does God want me to do today? What has God said? How should I live my life? And he focused a number of times. He talked about being obedient to the will of God the Father. You remember when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? And he was in prayer. Disciples were over here somewhere under a tree taking a snooze. You remember that? And he prayed to God the Father, and he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup, meaning this cup of suffering that I'm about to drink from, uh, Lord, may it pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, I submit myself 
to your will. I choose to obey what you've laid out for me to do. He had already predicted that he was going to die for the sins of the world. He was going to be raised after three days. He told his disciples that even he was going to be leaving them and going back to the Father. But in that moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he's face to face with suffering and for taking upon himself your sin and my sin, I don't think it was the physical suffering that was an issue. It was that taking upon the sin of the world. And he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, I choose to do what you want me to do. I choose to obey. Motivation to obey was seen in his life. And if we have a vital, dynamic relationship with him, and his life flows in us and through us, then we will also demonstrate this. John says in John 14:31, We know that we have come to know him if we what? Obey his commands. This is 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. We've got the wrong reference down there. So it's 1 John 2, 3 through 6, if you wanted to write that down. I'm going to give it to you one more time so you don't ask me at the door. 1 John, chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is what? A liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in Him. This is how we know that His life flows through us and that we have a relationship with Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must walk or live as Jesus did. That motivation to obey God will be seen in our lives just like it was seen in His. And these are at least four vital signs that I find in Scripture. That if we have a living relationship with God, they will be seen in our lives. There will be a hunger for spiritual food. Nobody will have to lay a guilt trip on us to read our Bibles or to spend time in prayer. We will be doing that because there's a hunger, an inner desire to know God better and to grow. There will be in our lives a love or a compassion for other people. There will be a passion for righteousness. There will be a motivation to obey. I'm not going to break the news to you today. It's going to break your heart, but I'm not 100% successful in having a motivation to obey God. There are times when my will gets in the way or I get busy nor I get distracted. But if I begin my day by saying, Lord, live your life through me. Lord, I want to obey you. I want obedience to be a characteristic of my life. Please 
Help me to be motivated to obey you. When I do my day, beginning my day like that, then motivation normally is there. And I'm not talking about perfection when I list these four vital signs for you. But as a general rule, these things will be true of us. Before was obedience true of us, the motivation to obey, before we came to a relationship with Christ? No, the motivation was there to disobey and do my own thing. How about a passion for righteousness? Was that a characteristic in my life? No. There was a passion for unrighteousness. Did I have the desire to, and motivation to love people? Put their needs ahead of my own? No, it was always me first. Was there a hunger for spiritual food? No, there was hunger for the kind of food that the world offers. Junk food. Rather than food that's spiritually nutritious. If the life of Jesus is slowing through me, then these vital signs will be seen in my life. They will be evident to me. I'll be able to do a spiritual inventory and know that they are there. They will be evident to my family. They'll be evident to God. This is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And this life is where? It's found in His Son. He who has the Son has a relationship, has what? Life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Lord God, I pray that you would produce in us the character of Jesus. That as we live our lives in a relationship with you, you've told us that you will produce his character in us and through us. Lord, please, by your Holy Spirit, develop in us a hunger for you and your word. Lord, please produce in us a compassion for other people. And Lord, continue to produce in us a passion for righteousness. Lord, as we live our lives, unrighteousness should grieve us as we see it around us. And our desire is not to be judgmental, but to have such a hunger for righteousness that we would demonstrate it when the world demonstrates unrighteousness. That, Lord, you would produce in our lives a hunger for fellowship with other Christians. 
And Lord, we would have a definite passion to live obediently in this world. Lord, we can't produce these things in ourselves. Some of us have tried. There may be people today who have tried to produce these qualities in themselves because they know that they are things that you say please you. But we know, Lord, that they are frustrated because they can't do it in their own strength. Lord, I pray that uh, you would do your work in all of us today so that we would understand where this kind of life comes from and that we might focus on our relationship with the Lord Jesus who gave his life for us so that he could live his life in us and live his life through us. We ask this in his strong name. Amen.